coming up on Philosophy Talk. Desire, the spark plugs of the mind. The first step to understanding your desires is to ask yourself why. Why do I want that? Once you're aware of it, it becomes really disturbing. Is the satisfaction of desires the key to human happiness? Is happiness the suppression of desires? Well, you cannot stop desiring. We are all enslaved by pleasure. You really want something in this life, have to work for it. Now, quiet, they're about to announce the lottery numbers. Our guest is William Irvin, author of Undesire, Why We Want What We Want, recorded in front of a live audience at the Illahi Institute in Portland, Oregon. Desire, coming up on Philosophy Talk, after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Accept your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Today, Philosophy Talk is on the road. We're here in front of a live audience at the First Con Congregational Church in Portland, Oregon. Today's program is part of the Ilahi Lecture Series. And we're very pleased to meet some of our listeners here in Portland. Welcome everyone to Philosophy Talk. Ken, our topic is desire. Now, desire, as all philosophers know, at least all of us older, wiser philosophers, is the source of unhappiness and woe. <laughs> unhappiness comes from frustrated desires. But even satisfying desires doesn't necessarily bring happiness. It just brings more desires in, in the wake of the ones that are satisfied. The only way out of the circle is to quit having desires. Therein lies the path of true wisdom, the path of the true philosopher. John, that sounds really nice. But if you believe all that, then you're, you're a little bit of a hypocrite because I know you. You like to smoke your pipe. You like spending your time with your wife and your children and your wonderful grandchildren. You like a good beer. I know you love good bourbon. You like eating good food. You're full of desires, dude. Well... <laughs> You see, Ken, I've been a philosopher long enough. I've transcended the first stage of rejecting desire and gotten to the stage where you reject even the desire to reject your desires. <laughs> I'm incredibly wise, which I would point out to you if I weren't so modest. Look, no. uh, I hate to say it, but you're a little bit full of baloney there. But look, desires are the source of all happiness. They're the source of all human achievement, of all human progress. They're the source of hope. They're the source of art and science. It, of all that's good in human life and culture. Well, if I'm full of baloney, then you're full of sugar and spice and everything nice. I mean, that's very optimistic. Tell me more. Well, ask yourself, why do we ever do anything? Why do we do anything? Because we're motivated. Okay, what motivates us? Our beliefs and our desires. We desire something, and we believe that in acting a certain way, we'll get what we desire, and so we act. If we just had the desires, 
If we just had the desires without the, the beliefs about how to satisfy them, we wouldn't know what to do and we'd just sit there wondering. If we just had the beliefs with no desires about what we want to happen, well, we wouldn't do anything. We, we'd still just sit there. So look, you've got to have both beliefs and desires to make anything happen. Desires are kind of like the spark plugs of the mental engine. So look, here's the slogan. In human action lies all human satisfaction and hence all art, literature, and everything that it's of value. QED, I just proved to you, we need desires. Well, Ken, you've got a point. Without the desire to eat, find shelter, have children, care for the children we have, make our lives and other lives more enjoyable, human existence wouldn't amount to much. Still, the, the point of view I was putting forward has, has a point. Desire is a great source of unhappiness. Our desires are created and manipulated by the business world. I have a hi-fi, but then all of a sudden I need a stereo. I have a stereo, but then all of a sudden I need a Walkman. I have a Walkman, but that won't do. Now I need an iPod. Perhaps there's a core of desires necessary for happiness, but then there's these layers and layers of manufactured artificial vain desires that really just make us miserable. Surely you admit that. Well, I, I admit you that sometimes desire can be excessive. You've got a point there, but even so, some of the desires that, say, frustrate us and make us unhappy, they turn out to be good things, too. I mean, imagine I'm in the grip of a, of a philosophical conundrum. You know, I'm, I'm miserable. I'm thinking about it day and night. For, I can't figure it out. I can't. It keeps me awake at night. I start writing stuff about it, and I just delete it all, and for a while I'm getting nowhere, and I just, but I keep going because I desire to solve this thing, and I don't solve it, but I get somewhere. So even the frustrated desire does some good, gets me somewhere. Well, a whole topic is starting to frustrate me. Uh, <laughs> luckily, we have an expert who's thought deeply about desire and happiness. He's here to help us think through the nature of desire. He's also going to bring us up to date about the science of desire, and then he's going to help us tell the good desires from the bad ones. And that would be William Irvin. He's the author of Undesire, Why We Want What We Want. He'll join the discussion in a moment. But first, our roving philosophical reporter, Julie Napolin, wondered about the psychological basis of our desires, and she files this report. Nowadays, everybody's got to go to shrinks and counselors and go on Sally, Jesse, Raphael and talk about their problems. On the hit TV show The Sopranos, a series of panic attacks sends the skeptical mob boss to a psychotherapist. Whatever happened to Gary Cooper, the strong, silent type? He wasn't in touch with his feelings. He just did what he had to do. See, what they didn't know was once they got Gary Cooper in touch with his feelings, that they wouldn't be able to shut him up. And then it's dysfunction this, and dysfunction that, and dysfunction my fungal. Psychoanalysis and psychoanalytic therapy is, perhaps at times it's been caricatured as self-involved and self-indulgent, but it is not in any way like that. Dr. Peter Armstrong is a clinical psychologist and practicing psychoanalyst in Portland, Oregon. He says that psychoanalytic therapy, the kind of treatment Tony Soprano undergoes, is different from other kinds of counseling. Psychoanalysis is a theory and a therapy and a way of researching the human mind that's been around for 100 years since Freud. It is focused on the unconscious, what is out of our awareness and what we keep out of our awareness. For psychoanalysts like Dr. Armstrong, people don't only need to talk about their emotions, sort out problems, and get advice. They need to stop repressing their true desires. In many cases, we inhibit our desires 
because something inside of us, something in our past development tells us they're wrong. A person comes to me and tells me that they've lived many years in a passionless marriage. And the contemporary idea of the day is that I just need to learn to accept that. And as an analyst, I find that very disturbing. Why would you accept it? Why is wishing for a marriage with passion, why is that unacceptable? What's in the way of that? Therapy can answer that question, helping you to realize the inner conflicts that prevent you from desiring without guilt and anxiety. My main interest is that a person in, in analytic therapy uh, discover for themselves what they want, what they want to do. I think that we all need to have a value system about what those rights and wrongs are, but the therapy is to help you sort that out so that uh, you don't inhibit the desire without a clear understanding of what it is. Ultimately, psychoanalysis is not about getting rid of desire. I always have the idea that when you've fully satisfied all your desires, you must be dead. Rather than getting rid of desire, Dr. Armstrong wants to help people admit to themselves what they really want so they can feel less conflicted. As an analyst, I'm less interested in freeing someone of desire than I am of letting them be free to desire. Removing those inhibitions doesn't mean that we get everything we want. Part of psychoanalysis is learning how to deal with the world more realistically, and that means accepting disappointment. I am pretty sure that no analytic therapist would promise happiness as a, as a goal. And in fact, Freud said that he offered a person to take away their hysterical misery and uh, replace it with common unhappiness. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Julian Appelin. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.